podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your home. They are offering eight craft beers, eight, eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free on the entire planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash whistle. That's www.beer52, the numbers 52.com slash whistle. And just cover the £5.95 for the postage. That's it. Just cover the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. You'll notice the themes, though, they, they are always just beer. Not really a theme, is it? I don't know. But beers from different places. That's a bit of fun. As an independent British company, Beer52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult, unprecedented period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine, Ferment. And a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash whistle to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. That's beer52, beer52.com forward slash whistle. And this is true We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging In fact, we'll take it seriously We're only bugging Welcome to the Whistleblowers Now, after a captivating opening couple of Premier League weekends We now only have one left before the dreaded international break. Just as they got us all juiced up, they're now about to leave us dangling. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it while it's here. And this week has some absolute doozies to look forward to. Joining me to talk about all of this, plus hopefully much, much more, is Gareth Dobson, Spurs fan, music mogul, top egg. Gareth, hello. Hi, how are you doing? Yes, I'm good, thanks. And also joining us, he wasn't here last week, uh, so Tom Rennie filled in. It's Martin Gritton. But where is he? Where is Grits today, Gareth? What's going on? I just saw some tumbleweeds going across the Zoom... Um, I can't, but we literally then... start. We managed to start filming a recording five minutes ago. We get a text off him saying, Oh, I've just realized I'm 20 minutes away on my bike. What do you mean you just realized? Have you woken up on your bike? What are you, what are you talking about? You must have known before you got on the bike. Anyway, let's not get bogged down in where Grits might be. I reckon he's done that thing where he's just left the London Stadium. And like every West Ham fan, you have that dawning realization where it takes about an hour to get from the stadium to the nearest point of civilization. Yeah, that's that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, fine. That makes sense, at least. Uh, well, while we wait for Martin to turn up, which could be any time, to be quite honest with you, we've got the right guy with us, you, Gareth, to talk about Harry Kane, because the news broke today, literally a couple of hours ago, that actually uh, he's done a very uh, honourable U-turn, and he's decided, actually, because of his staunch love for the club and its supporters and its rich history, he's actually going to stay at uh, Spurs and not go to those horrible, evil people over at Man City. You must be absolutely thrilled that he's done that. Honourable man, brilliant. Well done, Gareth. Congratulations. One, what, yes, thank you. One of the the most <laughs> impressively awful climb downs I've, I've seen in some time. It's yeah, it's pretty embarrassing for for Harry Kane. I, I think it was such a huge misjudgment of the the amount of leverage he thought he had versus mm-hmm. what he actually had, which, you know, it turns out was none. You know, a lot of ground has been covered. 
in the last few weeks when you know people started really digging in or who's the shady mastermind behind this transfer oh it's his brother um yeah well what's the leverage oh well you signed a five or six year deal a couple of years ago and Mm -hmm. you know spurs have no compulsion to sell you unless they get the valuation they want which yeah who's going to buy or it turns out it was city or bust um and i i think if he'd sat down and really looked at it i think he probably maybe would have played it differently perhaps he felt that the only way to leave was to make enough noise that it forced the issue but I mean, I guess that that happened with Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale was kind of the last one who, you know, who rattled the fence so loudly that they ended up giving up. But only then was that for, a, you know, a, a record-breaking, was it 100 million in the end? It was for the record-breaking fee yeah, that Spurs yeah, demanded. And when they, you know, clearly, I don't think City were ever going to pay 150 million for him. And I think at that well, point, Spurs weren't going to sell him. You mentioned then that, you know, maybe they, they might play it differently. Uh, if they could rewind. I mean, imagine if Charlie Kane's sitting there thinking, no, I wouldn't play that any differently. That's exactly the way I wanted it to go. There is nothing good has come out of it for the Kane group, really, here. I mean, he's essentially upset a lot of fans. And we know that'll be temporary. It won't take long until they're forgiving him. They're already forgiving him. They already see this as being a, you know, a, a snub to Man City. Some of them are seeing this. as Obviously, that's nonsense. Mm. But they've upset a, a, a decent number of Spurs fans and that will take a bit of time to get over but ultimately they know that they the Kane camp know that the fans can be won over again a couple of goals against Arsenal all is forgiven but the whole the whole way it's been handled has just been terrible I mean we keep getting told every other day by Gary Neville and people like that that he's the most professional player that's ever played the game I mean I don't think that has come across at all during this he, re- he refused to train for the club that he he loves and, and supports um, and on top of that, we find out that actually, you know, Man City didn't really want you that much. He didn't want you enough to pay the money. I and mean, we're talking about all these things. You mentioned there the contract. You've also got to remember that Daniel Levy. I mean, he he's, he isn't going to play softball. He's he's not that sort of guy. He will he, get what he thinks bastard. the value is. Exactly. So even if he wasn't involved in this, even if it was just you know a, a, a much sort of weaker chairman, I still think it would have been a, a, a real hassle to to get that deal done, given the length of the contract given how important he is to the club. I mean, I just think it's been basically humiliating at most turns. And now you see what's happened in the end. This is how it's ended up for this summer, at least. You go back at it, you go back at all the, the beats of this story, and you think, yeah, actually, every time every time something happened, it's not reflected well on Kane, and it's reflected very well on Daniel Levy. No, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, Daniel Levy is generally perceived to be the villain of the piece for, you know, every time this happens, because he is a bit of pantomime villain. He doesn't, he doesn't give two sods. I, I don't think about what the fans think about him. I, I think he's quite, you know, fairly brazen in a way, but you can spin that around and say, well, he's done the best thing he can. I suppose he kept their best player. He fended off the advances of a club. He is in theory competing against, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, the fans should be overjoyed. The problem is, is that I think for the last couple of years, because he botched the appointment of uh, Jose Mourinho, and then seemingly botched the the appointment of Mourinho's successor by looking at Nuno, saying "definitely not you," cycling through six <laughs> yeah, other yeah. candidates and saying six weeks it was later, always Nuno. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. He's. I, I think there was like a, a fan happiness survey, uh, which obviously. You know, in itself is almost a, a laughable contradiction. But I think of the Premier League uh, fans interviewed, Spurs fans were very 
close to the bottom you know it was like 20 percent were in some way or somewhat happy and most were as most football fans are you know generally apoplectic with the state of their club and i i think you can you can now turn around and say okay you've got a new manager who's made a winning start you won your first two league games you've kept your squad largely intact you've bolstered it with a couple of key signings like romero and and brian hill um and and you've you've retained your best your, your best player. Um, jobs so, are good, and jo- jobs are good, and and if and I'm doing a bit of backtracking because I'm aware that last week I said it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if, if Spurs sold Kane, and I still believe that's. Been I the still one hundred percent believe that's the case. I think you've missed your chance. Oh yeah, it, it's uh, it, essentially you, you could also argue that everyone has lost it. Man City have lost because they don't have their guaranteed goals number nine. Kane's mm-hmm. lost everything. And Spurs have lost because if they are to sell him next year, let's say, uh, they'll get half as much for him. Um, for some reason, I think the perception of a 28-year-old striker versus a 29-year-old striker is huge. Suddenly at 29, you're practically 30. And when you're 30, you are, <laughs> yeah, you're over the hill, you're done. Well, I don't think that's the case anymore for most players. I think 30 is, is sort of a normal age now. I think you still have at least one big move in you, the way diets are in sports science or whatever. But... This is Harry Kane. Harry Kane has pretty dodgy ankles. Yeah, he does. And, you know, he... But at, at 30, you have one big move in you to a club that is probably not your first choice. You have one big move in you to, to Inter Milan or or Atletico Madrid. And, you know, obviously, they're, they're, they're big clubs. But you probably don't have a move in you to to, yeah, yeah. to Man City or, or whoever is your preferred golden destination. So if Kane leaves, it's probably not going to be to a surefire... You know, trophy collecting. But this, but this is now. the thing, isn't it? I mean, this is the thing. We're going to have the same thing next year. We'll probably have it in the winter window as well. And I just want it to be over. He doesn't want to be there. In fact, you know what, Gareth? We've talked about it enough. Everyone else is talking about it. As well. I, I want let's, to let's, ask you let's, one question oh, on. related, but not necessarily about Harry Kane. So, is it possible that Harry Kane uh, climbed down because he got wind that Man City have now got their eyes locked on another, you know, uh, rangy number nine who used to play as a 10 or a seven uh from 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 juventus i mean possibly ronaldo looks like he wants a move somewhere else he w- looks like he wants to compete for a champions league realistically in the next year or two years I, I i don't think i'd be surprised either if he went there i mean all this talk about him being at united it doesn't really mean anything i mean these are professional footballers who have ambitions and oh he Ronaldo's, no, no hoots yeah ronaldo's a He's a top-class professional athlete who wants to win and win and win. And he knows if, you know, he could go to United, let's say, but they're not likely to be competing for the Champions League in the next couple of years. So, you know, it's fine. I know people will, will cry about it or whatever. This is football. This is professional football. You know that Ronaldo, he's he's as good as he is because he's so professional and so driven and he's driven by trophies and titles and all those sorts of things. So no one could be surprised. I don't think it will happen, um, but I wouldn't be surprised... Um, if it did and you know people will moan at Ronaldo but why forget about it let's move on Gareth because this is be uh, good fun. it will be good fun it's been a mad window uh, we talked about that already last time round or the time before let's instead talk about Spurs' um, game this weekend they got Watford at home um, I mean Kane's going to start this isn't he yes Kane's going to sure. have I mean, to start this he's going to have to score at least five goals quite and what will happen is uh, Spurs after one good win and one very unconvincing win We'll probably uh, split the middle and have a ha, either have a dreary a dreary draw or a uh, a not very exciting defeat. And 
you know, I, I think as good as Spurs were against Silly, they weren't. Um, they were probably the lesser team against Wolves on balance. You know, Spurs looked better in the second half and could have won by a couple of goals. But you know, it is it is a miracle that Wolves didn't score. So uh, many shots. They had so many shots against Spurs. So many. And yeah, Raul Jimenez looked very sharp. That must be incredibly pleasing for for Wolves fans. Yeah, and uh, Treori had uh, you know Tanganga on toast. Uh, mm. Recommend that. It's a lovely, lovely breakfast. Sounds really nice. Yeah. <laughs> And, Can't make um, a holiday this year, so I'll bring the holiday to me. Exactly, <laughs> and it's so I did, there's a lot for you know Nuno to to think about here. Um, possibly the introduction of Kane. I, I I do think the introduction of Kane against Wolves, you know, did help Spurs. They looked a bit more cohesive. Um, there was obviously still a, a Kane-shaped space in that team. You know, it's not like the team had moved on within a week, and 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 they did look better, and you know. Uh, possibly it was just because Wolves were really pushing on trying to get that goal. But I, you know, Spurs and Watford, Watford, you know, have always got the odd result against Spurs. I don't know do why. They, do they worry you at all, Watford? They started the season so well against Villa, fell off a little bit last week, but uh, to get to a Brighton side that are very good. Yes, no Anything in that agree. Watford side that will keep you up tonight? I, I think uh, certainly enough for a, for a Spurs team which isn't, you know, fully firing on all cylinders. I, I think the... The defeat in midweek against the 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 their Europa Conference rival Pacos Ferreira uh, shows you that their their second eleven is basically not up to snuff yet. Yes, and yeah. so the squad isn't the squad isn't there, is it? No, and, and and therefore all you need is a couple of off days from from your key starters, and yeah, your bench probably isn't gonna gonna dig you out of it. So Spurs need to start on the front foot and do well. Um, Kane will be very aware of that. Like you said, he needs to come in and play well and probably ideally score. Um, you know, there's obviously the continued narrative that Kane never scores in August and, until he scored in August last season, I think it was. But he's he's not a quick starter, you know, and it was the same in the, uh, you know, in, in the Euros. It took him a few games to get going. So. Can I ask you a question then, Gareth? It's linked to what we talked about earlier with Harry Kane. How... How quickly, what's the quickest you can see Harry Kane being forgiven? Is it the first time he scores? Is it the first time he scores against Arsenal? Is it before Christmas? Is it at all this season? Is it at all full stop? Um, yeah, he will be forgiven ultimately unless things go terribly wrong. They're, the quickest route is in September, Spurs play Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah, and so if if he's absolutely dynamite and Spurs get some results, so he doesn't even necessarily have to score against him. If, if Spurs get to uh, the end of September with you know four or five wins and they're sitting pretty, falsely at the top of the table, then everything will be right with the world, and yes. it will be seen as you know a brilliant job by Levy, a, a brilliant you know, collection of squad togetherness foisted by. Uh, by the new manager and you know, and Kane come back in has given everyone belief and it's made the club feel like you know they are contenders because the best strike in the Premier League chose them and you know whatever no, he didn't. nonsense no, he didn't. you want to create no he didn't do you, do you, do you think that do you think the players give a shit about any of that or do you think that they're you know they're just pros as well and they'd do the same thing if they could no I don't think so I, I think they're quite realistic I, you always see a lot when players leave you know those well wishes from the players yeah. they leave behind I, I think it's Maybe the only issue is, you know, he obviously ducked out on a week of training, whether that leaves a bad taste in the mouth. But I, I think players want to win and they'll be pleased that Harry Kane's there. He's, um, people forget, he's not actually even the captain at Spurs. He never has been. You know, Hugo Lloris is the captain. So, Ledley King still, isn't it? 
Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it's Ledley King and, and Michael Dawson just to share it between them <laughs> in a very brave way and wholehearted manner. So, he, I mean, he might he might not be the captain, but he he's the he's the the linchpin of that side, isn't he? He's yeah, he's the talisman. He's he's the guy on the front of the club shop, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. But and he, yeah, you know, apart from Miss Nowick, he hasn't misbehaved. It's not like when certain bad eggs leave a well, club. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Garrett, you can't say apart from missing that week of training, he's not done anything wrong. That's that's worse than most. I mean, I'm not. I'm a big Harry Kane fan, by the way. I want to preface it by saying that. But that is pretty much the worst thing you can do as a professional footballer. I don't Isn't know. I, I think no. I think the worst thing you can do is spend a year sitting around picking up your wages, not playing or being a complete tool and. You know, <laughs> that's being, the next year for Harry Kane. That exactly. That's the next year. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think. You know, who uh, who was the player who played at Arsenal and Man City and basically ran himself out of town and got done for for doping uh, the other the the young French uh, the small French midfielder and then went off and won in the in the World Cup for France and had a go at, the, at his oh, yeah. own press. Who was that? Nasri. Nasri, Sammy Nasri, like Sammy Nasri, he's a poisonous player. He's a or player Van Hoydonk, Van Hoydonk, yeah, someone who poisons his dressing room. I Winston think Bogard. You know, Kane will get his head down. Well, one thing you can say is that you know when he did come on against Wolves, you know he didn't shirk responsibility. You know he got done for time wasting. He clearly wanted to win the game. He wanted to make a point. Maybe he wanted to make a point that, regardless of the situation, he was uber professional. But he didn't look distracted, or he didn't do anything that made you go, well, clearly he had his mind on other things, you know. I think that's where the professional comes in, is that he was ready to play and, and, you know, and he performed as you expected a professional player to do. Yeah, right, Gareth. Well, I said after that initial Harry Kane bit, let's move on, not talk about him. We managed to do uh, the entire first half about Harry Kane and how he's staying. So, let's wrap that half there. We'll come back after this break. Welcome back to the show, and Gareth, we've got a third, not a third wheel, that's not what you want to call him, but our third co-host, Martin Gritton, he's finally here. Gritz, where the hell have you been? Lad, sorry, I know that this is all our primary incomes, but um, yeah, I was out just doing some moonlighting that uh, you know just took me took me over the edge, and uh, yeah, and I was on the bike home, and it's, it's my safe place, Mark, so I just lose track of time as I'm Cycle along the Thames, contemplating no, listeners. Harry Kane's move and various other things. Always, no, Rich, you've missed that. We've done that in the first half. No more Harry Kane mentions at all. <laughs> listeners can't see how sort of uh, red and sweaty you are. I love it. I've never seen you this sort of dishevelled before. This is my, this is what I used to let when I was playing, only two stone thinner and you know slightly younger. <laughs> but um, you know, worst ballpark. How are you both? Yeah. Nice to see you, Mark. Nice to see you, Gareth. You both there. W- what did we rattle through first half? Give me a recap. Give me the hot take. Go on, Gareth. So uh, I said I was pleased with Harry Kane stays because it makes Tottenham better, but I'm also sad because in a year's time, when he finally goes, we'll get we'll get tuppence for him, and ultimately the big takeaway is Sorry, that everyone's so lost. We can't do this again. Are you mental? Yeah. We've just done well, this for the first twenty minutes. Give him a recap. I know. No recaps. Gareth, Gritz, you ruined the first half by not being here. You ruined the second half by making us do the first half again. This is not on. Let's move on. Let's talk about this instead. Well, we about to have an argument about what the best game of the weekend was. Yeah, this was. is what I want to talk about. Gareth, uh, last week, um, we had a disagreement about what the biggest game of the weekend was going to be. Um, what's the biggest game this weekend, Gareth? Can we agree um, on this, do you think? Yeah, annoying. I, I think it'd be hard to argue that it's not uh, Liverpool-Chelsea. 
Liverpool-Chelsea. Grits, Liverpool-Chelsea. Is this the biggest game of the season so far? Only three weekends in. Is it the biggest one so far? Massive. It's absolutely yes. massive. I mean, I cannot... This Monstrous. Chelsea team, we've talked about this, Mark, haven't we, on, on message over the weekend. The transformation of Chelsea, just even from being the best team in Europe to now having their exact right player. It's like having... It's exactly what Liverpool did with Van Dijk. Get the best guy in the position, exactly what you need, and it transforms you. And Chelsea, oh my God, they just look effortlessly brilliant at the minute. I really enjoy watching them. Yeah, they're so, so, so good to watch. And I wonder if this is the strongest squad that I've ever seen in the Premier League. I think it might be. Gareth, I mean, who's had a stronger squad than this? If you're looking at the f- the first not eleven the first twenty yeah it, it, it's very hard I mean especially because usually you know people always talk about two players for every position and usually there's a few weak links like you know your second choice left back's a bit dodgy or your or your backup centre forwards are not to sniff but they really have got you know kind of everything I mean maybe you could argue that it would still fall down a little bit if Lukaku's out and they have to go back to relying on Timo Werner but then they can also reconstitute things as well you know they could end up playing Kai Havertz as a false nine there, etc. They as well as having they can go to a four three three. They've got loads as of as well as sort of you know having actually two for every position. I think they can now play in multiple form- formations and guises. You know they're not going to be wedded to one system. And you know Tuchel has moved from three at the back. He's played four three three as you said, and you know he loves you know he loves to tinker and he loves to adjust, and that that's what gets him going in the morning. So I think we're going to see a few different iterations of of Chelsea, and and, and agreeing you, know, it pains me to say, but they are probably the most fun team to watch play, and, and, and quite undeniable at the moment. Yeah, Chelsea uh, seem to have more license to sort of do what they want, if you like. Man City seem quite rigid, obviously very effective, but Chelsea seem to just be allowed to sort of get on with it to a certain extent. Gritz mentioned Lukaku a minute ago, and that 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 debut or that second debut against Arsenal, against uh, was it Pablo or Paolo Marie, um, the Arsenal centre-back. Pablo Marie. Um, I mean, it, he just absolutely bullied him and took his lunch money. It was sort of humiliating. And in a way, it's perfect that this game coming up this weekend is the polar opposite of that. This time, it's Lukaku versus Van Dijk. We can see just how well Lukaku is going gonna, is gonna to reintegrate into the Premier League, aren't we, Grits? We're going to see just what his strengths are and can he mix it with one of maybe the best defenders, well, certainly one of the best defenders in the world. Liverpool play against teams that were perceived as better than on the way up and it was always with intensity and pressing and that can be, leave you a bit ragged and if you're exposed, I mean, I mean, we've seen Trent um, get criticism. I mean, the fact, you know, it was unfortunate to miss out in England but look at their defensive setup and how people actually classify their defenders and say, well, Robinson, the video's of all the goals that he scored, you forget he's paid his dues so many times. I don't know any striker that's had to do, but um, you know, so I, I think it could be a very, very difficult afternoon for Liverpool. Yeah, I think so. Gareth, um, we're unlikely to see Canate play this weekend, are we? Because I mean, Matip's done well since he's come back in. Obviously, Van Dijk's uh, not going anywhere as long as he stays fit. Um, but does this show to you that Liverpool's strength in depth now is so much better than last season? It was free kicks last season with the centre-backs. But the fact that someone like Canate can be on the bench and not necessarily get in the side, it's it's strong. It's as strong as Man City's defensive options, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's um, club or, or how they want him to play. But I think the biggest issue is probably going to be the two midfields. Liverpool are still... I mean, they've all really started to excel or they've come back to their, to their best. And I think that's probably where Chelsea match up the most favourably. They are 
reasonably even teams, I think, and until you look at those those mid. Well, the midfield, the midfield on Saturday or last Saturday for Liverpool against Burnley, Harvey Elliott, who was fantastic, but is still you know very young. He's eighteen and he's just learning how to play central midfield. Henderson was back, obviously, and, and uh, Naby Keita. I, I agree with you, Gareth. I don't think that's as good as that is. I don't think it's a match for the power and the energy of, of Chelsea's centre midfield. Uh, Gareth, uh, sorry, Gris, is that where this game is going to be won and lost, centre midfield? He is like, he's just instrumental. He's so effective with the ball that he has. It either puts in dangerous crosses or he's willing, or he has the intensity as well to, I think, be, you know, England's right back for a long time. So, so you're, you're building right this then as, as this is Reese versus Trent for you. Fullbacks. Oh, well, I think fullbacks. Fullbacks are the thing. Fullbacks are the thing that are always the games. I think we said this maybe last year on the same game. I think fullbacks win or lose these games because Liverpool's are, it's whoever gets forward most. It's like, it is literally like a game of chess. Get your pieces up the pitch and then um, they'll deliver. And I think that, you know, in terms of attacking, both fullbacks can, I mean, Alonso's been, you know, it's sensational. Uh, like yeah. in terms of, he's keeping out a fifty million pound fullback. He's he's brilliant, and I love I love that. I love that Tuchel empowers them to go and like they kept their places. I and mean, as Pulaquetta keeping him at the team, I mean that was a very brave decision. You know, so yeah. um, sorry, uh, but yeah, I I I think fullbacks. If we're doing the uh, chess analogy, then grits. Who's the um, who's the queen on this uh, on this pitch? Oh, uh, well, it's got to be, it's got to be. This, Lukaku, this is where, it? so this is where we'll find our podcast title for the week. Who's the queen okay. of the Liverpool Chelsea game? <laughs> I mean, crikey. I mean, Mason Mount's the one that moves everywhere. Good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Gareth, who's the pawn in this game? Uh, Smickers, who will be, uh, who will just probably be sacrificed to Reese James <laughs> and uh, knocked off the board fairly quickly. <laughs> No, it's absolutely superb stuff. Right, let's move on to uh, another game. Uh, in in, in uh, another time, this may have been the biggest game of the weekend. Man City-Arsenal. Gareth would have been furious at that, though, wouldn't you, given that I had Arsenal in the biggest game of last weekend as well. Uh, but Man City-Arsenal, Gareth. Uh, all right, Man City didn't start the season so well, but they looked pretty much back at it last weekend, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, probably the biggest storyline that's likely to emerge from this is whether Arteta will be on borrowed time. And yeah, you'd say it's more likely than not that Liverpool are going to, sorry, Arsenal are going to finish the first month without any points, at which, you know, an international break is usually when the, uh, you know, the hammer comes down and and and, uh, and managers can sometimes lose their position. So I, I think it will probably create a week of furious speculation, especially if Arsenal don't play well. I mean, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. It's not that, necessary yeah. that they're losing is that they're 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 losing in a convincing manner um and arteta they're not can, even in games no and arteta can stand there and praise the young players for how hard they've worked and how much they've tried but i think it's it's becoming clearer and clearer that there's 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 no real identity um a lot of the the bolder moves that have been made haven't come off i i, I read today that you know willian is expected to depart before the window um, yep. which is a fairly disastrous... Back to Brazil. Yeah, a fairly disastrous occurrence for a player I think they were hoping was, was going to sort of, you know, given that sort of element of sort of nous and, and sort of know-how and experience at the top level, and it, it's just not happened. You know, had a couple of good games to start uh, last season, He and he just subsequently went missing. And, you know, I think Arsenal's now squad or lineup is kind of riddled with that. Um, Aubameyang started... 
the midweek uh, uh, League Cup game, which, you know, it's the first time Arsenal have played the second round of the League Cup in 25 years, which in itself is telling and, yeah, and quite damning. So I think that, that that's that's the biggest story likely to emerge from, from this game. Um, equally, if Man City perhaps aren't too convincing, uh, the question is going to be, well, where's the number nine? Um, and that yes, story's not going to be addressed until either the window closes or they bring someone in. No. Uh, Grits, a lot has been talked about with regards to Jack Grealish and £100 million for Man City. Arsenal spent a lot of money this uh, this transfer window. Um, and looking at the list, I can't think of a, a more underwhelming group of players to have signed for a supposedly big club in quite a while. Um, what do you make of their uh, their work off the field this season, this uh, this uh, summer? Sorry. Well, I mean, let's just uh, you know, rather than just the transfers, look at just starting eleven and look at the balance of that team. Too many young players that don't have the experience, putting so much pressure on players like Smith Rowe, number ten. No, he's not, a kid. Not, he's a kid. He's not there yet. He's just not there yet. He's, he's a good, good player, but he's. Yeah, and if yeah. you put him, if you put him in with experienced players around him, you got a Giroud up front. You have got someone that can lead the link. Got Martinelli up. The Martinelli hasn't played consistently, and Saka's just coming off the back. Still, oh, it's a sophomore slump. It's so hard. The second season as well, off the back of the highs of the Euros. I mean, the guy, yeah. the guy's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But you've got Pepe, and who you never know. We you're going to get from Pepe apart from some lazy comparison to if he's saying Zaha you know but, so I think it's <laughs> welcome to the show can get a, <laughs> how quickly can you get Aubameyang back um, you know the importance of I don't know the, the importance of having um, some experienced players on the pitch because I yeah yes. I fear for them and I, I think you know yeah the money that they've spent oh, you know, it just shows the lack of clout in the market as well. When you say you fear for them, Grits, what does that mean? Does that mean outside the top six, outside the top eight? Does it mean lower than that? Well, the Premier League—it's always about redemption, isn't it? You can literally bring a good gaffer in at halfway through, and they've got the resources to do that. And if they don't do that, then all the takeover conversation will start again at Christmas, and then you know we could see you know Spotify. Um, bringing in some players yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, you never know yeah. what's going to happen but basically anyone can bankroll and say alright we'll bring in I mean we can Cristiano Ronaldo or someone who wants to come back to the Premier League and say alright prove yourself take a team like this back into the top six and uh, we'll see if you're worth your money and it's like that's the that's the sort of thing but you'll never see that from Arsenal I don't think um, I just don't think they'll, they'll bust the bank in that way and you know be short sighted but you never know As a Spurs fan Gareth um, are you confident that Arsenal are going to be dropping pretty quickly this season from what you've seen so far? Yeah, on the current trajectory, I, I think at this point the question is, are they a top-half team? Which sounds remarkable, but you look at the last few years and there's nothing to say that they should be at this point. Um, I My suspicion is that Arteta might well leave in uh, after this game. It does sound like... After this game? You know, I, I, I think it's genuinely quite possible. Okay. Um, that that's that's purely guesswork. I do sometimes think that you know the press might end up being brief because you see stories start emerging about whether a manager's going to survive or you know talking almost in a de facto way, and then it happens. And I get a sense that you know whatever back channel communications there are, I, I wonder if certain journalists have been told that you know he's very much under consideration. I mean, if you're an ownership like Arsenal's currently have and you're getting a lot of heat, the easiest way to deflect from that is to 
bring in a shiny new manager. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I, I don't think we'll be the end of the season, put it that way. I'm not sure we'll go this early, and I certainly don't think he'll leave, like you said. No. <laughs> I think he'll be sorry, uh, sorry, he'll be fired I, yeah, out I mean, of the he'll be, he'll be displaced. There's, there's no way that he's walking away. He's going to be brutally shot out. I think they'll let him get a chance to play his players because he's not had a chance to play them yet. So let's see how good of a shape they are and then move on. Yeah. We've, um, we're running out of time, uh, a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's quickly talk about Villa Brentford. Uh, Villa were a lot of people's dark horses this, uh, for this season, mine, mine included, and I still think they will be. Um, Danny Ings looks like the player we know he is. Watkins is soon to be back from injury. Uh, is this the time they really kick on and start dishing out some beatings against a very solid Brentford side? Uh, well, I, I think I love Villa. They're still that bad. They're still a banter team. There's so much going on in their side. Like the Al Ghazi. Um, I mean, the fact he did a Penenka against Barrow. I mean, come on, mate. It's just. But um, <laughs> I, I, I love. Yeah. I just love the way that they play. This set of freedom. Um, there's no more John Terry. But there's a lot to like about them this season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gareth Brentford though look pretty solid, don't they? Yeah, and you two know, clean sheets. There, there's always going to be. Yeah, they are going to be very excited. They're probably not going to be too exciting. They might end up resembling that first season Sheffield United team, which is obviously no bad thing. Um, they're not they're not revolutionised football as as an exciting art form, but they're obviously going to be um, a team who will probably pick up results and you know across between pragmatism and some interesting uh, you know approaches to the game but I'm waffling here because I'm trying to think what they think about Brentford it feels a little early to tell and it, I also <laughs> feel it's a little early to tell for Villa as well because they beat comfortably a Newcastle team who I think might be shocking yeah it's, it's really hard to tell isn't it they, they look quite fun against uh, West Ham in that first half Newcastle but yeah I don't know it's, it's so early on still it's it's a lot of fun we've got another round of these games coming up for the international break um, Gritz do you want to say something no, I just wanted to say, if you, did you do West Ham uh, in the first half? No, because but we, we haven't got much time. Do you want to quickly do no, West no, Ham? No, we'll do it. no, we'll do it next time. I don't want to jinx it. It was just a glorious evening at there uh, against Leicester. I watched that and, and the energy in the London Stadium was something else. So let's hope there's a very winnable match for them there Saturday. But the same can be said for Brighton and Hove Albion. There are two wins. So let's see if those two can still be in the top two come uh, the end of this weekend. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it if that was the case. It gives us something I to talk about that's not it. just uh, Man City or Man United. Right, lovely stuff. Cheers, guys. Anything you want to plug, Gareth? Um, I, well, I'll probably retrospectively say that I had an amazing time at the Green Man Festival in Wales. Uh, we had Green Man Griff Reese and Snap Dankles <laughs> playing and some lovely reports for All In, so go find them on a UK tour in October, both of them. Lovely Ooh. stuff. Grits, anything to say? No, nothing. Where can we find you this week, Mr. What do you mean, no, nothing? What about the, the grovelling apology for missing the first half? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, uh, I apologise uh, profusely for my... Uh, <laughs> it was probably some solid content, which I'm actually going to really enjoy listening to. So, mm, Good stuff. All right. Thanks, good good Thanks. plug for, the, for our own podcast. Nice one. Right, this has been the Whistleblowers podcast. If you like it, tell your friends, subscribe, like, all that sort of stuff. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Until then, from me, Grits and Gareth, see you later. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.